In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes in order to tie us to His Word. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I began today's service asking you if uh, you had used any hashtags this past week, and uh, perhaps you have, perhaps you haven't. Uh, so, some people, it seems like they use hashtags all the time. Some people, they don't use hashtags at all, but they have become a reality of our discourse in this age, especially right now when we're not meeting together in the same ways that we have in the past, but rather uh, much of our, our discourse has become online discourse. And we're recognizing that there's a failure there. There's a problem there, that things aren't as good. Not that they were great before, but that when we start talking about big, important issues online, that they seem to, well, get a little bit strange. They seem to get a little bit odd, and, and they, they get a little bit almost too black and white, and not even just black and white, but there are almost huge chunks of discourse missing from our lives because we're trying to communicate with one another in these little sound bites and hashtags and things that become sort of slogans for us. They become sort of badges for us to wear on our social media feeds. They become things that tell others who we are, but in a very lackluster way, a a way that uh, is very two-dimensional. And so one of those things that will come out as a result of that is the, the use of, of these hashtags. And uh, one of the, the reasons that a lot of people are kind of refusing to get involved in some of the discourse that's out there right now is that they're a little bit afraid of that reality. They're afraid of the reality of, of that if you use a, a certain hashtag that it is going to be negatively perceived by other people. And you have all, all sorts of different examples of those hashtags, and, and I'm sure you, you know what they are. You, you know what they are because they, they get around the issues of politics in, in our country today. They get around the issues of race today in our country. And all of those things tend to just be things where, where we say, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to take this position by, by putting this hashtag out there. And, and we're always running the risk of being misunderstood. And, and we don't like being misunderstood. Being misunderstood is a bad thing. And, and yet, we, we kind of look around and we go, well, I have to say something. And, and so if I, I have the choice between saying nothing at all and saying just a little bit of something that might be incomplete, then maybe I'll go with the incomplete thing because I feel strongly enough that I at least need to get this out incompletely. And, and we have a, a little bit of that working in our readings today, in, in these readings from the lectionary that, that we have, the, this set of readings where, where we're tied together as a church to 
consider these words, these words of God, and, and they are incomplete things in and of themselves as well. We're not reading the entire Bible in front of you because that would take hours upon hours upon hours, but we're reading sort of brief moments, and brief moments that, that hopefully speak to our lives and speak to the culture that's around us, speak to the time that's around us, speak to the pain that is around us. And so we start off with this really sort of jarring first reading, this jarring first reading that, that Ian read, and, and he said, oh, oh, Yahweh, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. And you kind of wonder, okay, how is church going to go with that being the first reading that we're talking about, where, where God's own prophet is saying that he has been deceived not by other people, but by God himself. And it is incomplete there because really what we're getting is we're, we're getting Jeremiah's lament about where he's at right now. And, and where he's at right now is in the stocks. He, he's in the stocks in Jerusalem, and, and it's because of something that he did. He took an earthenware jar, and he was told to do this by God. He took this earthenware jar, and he went out into the midst of Jerusalem, and he said, oh, Jerusalem, this is what you are going to be like. Smash. And he smashed it on the ground. And this person named Pashur saw this, and he saw that as an act of treason. And so he said, I'm, I'm going to put you in the stocks, and you're never going to commit this act of treason ever again, because you'll remember and so it kind of makes sense when, when you read again what Jeremiah is saying, that he's hearing all of the words of these people that are around him. And you can get that sense that maybe he's saying that because, well, he's locked up in the stocks and he's hearing all of these people around him that are making fun of him and are calling him a traitor and are saying all sorts of horrible things about him. And he feels like he has been misunderstood And then we move into that, that reading from Romans, and, and Paul is, is writing to the, the church in Rome, and he seems like he's addressing, so most scholars say that he's addressing something that people have been saying about him because they've understood his message incompletely. They've said, this Paul guy, he's an antinomian. Now, what is an antinomian? An antinomian is somebody who doesn't believe the law, doesn't believe that you should actually be able to find good things to do in the Bible. Instead, an antinomian would say that the whole Bible is just all about how you are saved, but really you don't have to do any of those things that are recommended in the Bible, that those things, you know, that's great for you if you want to do that, but they're not commands of God, and to which Paul is saying, that is not my position. My position is not so caricatured as that. My position is that we should not sin. And we should not sin because we are new people in Christ Jesus. And then you see Jesus with his own disciples telling them, on Father's Day we're reading this, telling them that brother will be against brother and 
father will be against his son, and son will be against father. And, and we have this, this issue of well, what's happening? Why, why are people not staying in those family units? Why is there this rift? And much of the problem is because of a lack of understanding of the complete message. You see, the, the issue that would cause people to persecute the disciples as they go out, the, the issues that would cause fathers to disown their sons and sons to disown their fathers, even to the point of where they are being sent to be murdered or imprisoned is an incomplete understanding of what God wants for us. You, you see, what, what God wants us to recognize is, is that his message is a complete message and that it is only in completeness that we really grasp his message. That when we only pick and choose moments of his message, that we're not getting the whole thing. And when we don't get the whole thing, we're, we're back to that sort of hashtagged sense of caricatures and black and white and two-dimensional instead of three-dimensional living. And God is, is telling us that we are to be completely his own, and, and that's difficult for us. It's difficult for us, and it's difficult in order for us to see that in, in what is here for us in these readings. And one of the most difficult aspects of these readings is that Paul uses this illustration, this illustration that seems like the number one thing that we want to stay way away from right now. And this illustration, this illustration from slavery, from early slavery within the, the Near East, and we go, oh, I, I don't want to talk about slavery right now. But Paul, Paul brings this up into our, our lives, into our moments right now. And, and Paul says, look, it's like this. It's like you get to choose who you are a slave to. You can be a slave to sin or you can be a slave to Christ. But you can't be a slave to both and you can't be a slave to neither. And certainly the slavery that's being talked about here is not the same kind of slavery as our early country's history. But it's a slavery nonetheless. It's a slavery that recognizes that there is some part of you that is tied to something. And Paul is saying that as a Christian... You, you are a slave. You're a slave to the word. You're a slave to the whole word. You're a slave to the law of the word. Those things that tell you how you are to be living. Those things that tell you how you are to be interacting with the world around you, especially in the midst of injustice around race, especially in the midst of 
confusion about what we do in the midst of a virus outbreak, especially around all of those things. We have the law for a reason, and that reason is that we are sinful and we need direction. We need things that we stay away from. We need things that show us when we have sinned because we don't always recognize that in ourselves. And we need things that will point us to the right way. But that's not all we need. Because what we also need is gospel. And we need it so very badly right now. In so much of our discourse, whether it be political or medical or governmental, whatever it is, we need that word of gospel that that says that that there is an importance to forgiveness. That there is an importance to treating people in a way that we would be treated ourselves, an importance to seeing that others are to be loved because we are loved too by the gospel. And that's the most important aspect of all of this. Because you you can do a lot of the law stuff on your own. Or you can at least be told a lot of the law stuff. People will tell you what not to do. People will point out your faults. Your faults in your thinking, your faults in your existence, your faults in all sorts of different things so that you can reflect upon yourself. People will do that for you. People will even tell you what you are supposed to do. But not everybody will tell you that you are forgiven. Not everybody will tell you that you are loved even despite your sin, even despite the fact that you have done wrong. And you are told that, Christian. You are told that because you are bound in the slavery of your baptism. In that slavery that binds you to the forgiveness that Christ has to offer you. You are given that as the birthright of you being made a slave of Christ. That that forgiveness is always yours. And that forgiveness actually moves us as a church to spread that gospel. To spread that forgiveness, to spread that love into a world that needs it so badly right now. And that gospel is, it's not just black and white, but it has so much gray to it. That gospel is not just two-dimensional, but it's three-dimensional. It looks at our whole being. The gospel is not just a caricature, but it is a complete understanding of who you are and who every person is. And the good news is that that gospel is for you and is for your neighbor. So may you grasp onto that gospel. May you feel it resonate in your soul and may it become your only hashtag. 
as you look out into the, this world that needs healing. Amen.